Welcome to The Modern Lawyer, a podcast about the changes and growth in the modern legal industry. I'm your host, Anand Upadhyay. Everyone is talking about the blockchain. Today, we're going to attempt to demystify that concept, specifically as it applies to the legal industry. Lucky for us, we have one of the country's preeminent experts on blockchain in legal. We're joined today by Judy Reinierson, a partner at KNL Gates, who is pioneering the way law firms are taking advantage of blockchain technology. Happy to be here. Thank you. First things first, let's define the term blockchain. It's typically only discussed in reference to cryptocurrency, but it's much, much more than that. The blockchain is just a technology, and it's actually been around for quite a while. It is the rails that various applications run on. And Bitcoin is just an application that runs on this distributed ledger rails, as we call it, the technology platform. And there are multiple kinds of blockchains. There are multiple applications that can be used on the blockchain, but you can't, you don't want to get the two mixed up and confused. It's, it's not, the blockchain is not just cryptocurrencies. It is a very uh, uh, intriguing and powerful technology that a lot of applications can run on. And, and I think one of the things that really uh, struck me, and, and I'm not the first to say it, is that when you look at the internet, what internet changed uh, phenomenally was uh, movement of data, right. free movement of data. And the, the, the comparison people use often for blockchain is that blockchain allows for the movement of valuable assets. You can't just email someone money, but the ability to very securely and transparently and immutably, because it's a distributed ledger where multiple nodes or, or authenticators are looking at the transaction and approving it, means that it's very, very hard to change something once it's on the blockchain. As we mentioned, the blockchain is almost synonymous with cryptocurrency, and we've seen some early regulation. But what's in store for it? Let's rewind a bit and see how the markets and regulatory bodies have reacted to another technology from decades ago that raised some similar concerns. Judy had a front row seat and deep professional experience with another similarly viewed technology that seems almost quaint now. I got into blockchain via cryptocurrencies, via emerging payments, mobile apps, and prepaid cards. Uh, I spent 18 years at American Express, uh, and the last 10 years I was there, I was the traveler's check lawyer. Sounds like a very old, very boring, uh, very mature payment product. Uh, But if you think about a traveler's check, it's a piece of paper that is prepaid. And so when Amex decided to get into the booming world of prepaid cards, prepaid programs, they decided to put that within the traveler's check group. And so suddenly I'm, I'm lawyering a business that is not the sleepy traveler's check business, but, you know, gift cards, reward cards, student cards. And at that time, and you may not recall, it was in the late 90s, prepaid cards were talked about a lot 
similar to the way people talk about cryptocurrencies today. There was a big article in Business Week about how prepaid cards were candy for criminals and how they were all being misused, how this was a, you know, a bad product to be involved in. And the prepaid industry really had to fight to show that it had value, to show that it was relevant. I was approached by a number of people in the industry saying, you know, Judy, you were there when prepaid went from being the, the bad boys of the payment industry to being now a you know, globally accepted, well-respected payment product. And, and how did you do that? Come talk to us. And I was invited to a couple symposiums to talk about what is it, what is it that the crypto industry has to do? Uh, and, and that was back before I even you know, understood what blockchain was. But we just, you know, started working with people, talking to regulators. I had the amazing experience of uh, testifying before Ben Losky's uh, commission on uh, on how to regulate uh, uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and and it was from that that I learned that you know this is just the tip of the iceberg. There is really so much more than cryptocurrencies. And, and now, of course, I have to uh, explain to my colleagues, no, no, no. They go, why are we doing all this <laughs> cryptocurrency stuff? I say, no, blockchain's different. But it, it does take a, a mindset to change, to understand that cryptocurrencies are just an application on a, a very, very powerful technology that has a, lots of amazing use cases. And that's why people are so excited about the blockchain and legal. If it's fully realized, it can be a totally secure, reliable, accurate way to transfer assets, including information. Right now, you need an intermediary third party anytime you move a a valuable asset like a real estate deed, you, you're not sure that deed is valid and is current and hasn't been changed unless you go to the deed office and the recorder and see someone holding it. The same thing with the bank. You're not sure the bank is there in the middle of the transfer of funds because they're the authenticator. And actually, lawyers play that role too in terms of holding uh, estate documents or trust documents, dealing with you know litigation or... Um, or major contracts that are, you know, you have to authenticate and you have to have someone in some place secure holding these very important documents. As with a lot of new technology, we begin to fear that the robots will take our jobs. Transferring assets and executing complex transactions are a large part of the legal industry. Some alarmists insist that the blockchain eliminates the need for counsel in those areas. I would emphatically disagree uh, because they do more than just hold valuable assets and move them. They are bringing advice and they are matching what the client wants with the regulatory landscape. Your client comes to you because they want to get you know, to this place with this product and it's the lawyer's job, especially in the regulatory space, help them navigate the waters to get them there. And you can do this with the blockchain in a really intriguing way. So much of the conversation surrounding blockchain has to do with financial services. Maybe you think that the conversation on blockchain is limited only to payments and that as a result, it doesn't apply to the rest of the legal field. Judy doesn't agree. So why should you care about blockchain if you don't practice in that field? I'd say the number one reason is because your clients are going to want you to know about the blockchain. 
but it also has many practical uses. And if you get out ahead of the crowd, there is the possibility to shape this space in its earliest stages. Familiarizing yourself with the uses of blockchain may allow you to strengthen and streamline your practice in the near future. I mean, for everything, for the small things like the escrow tickler system, uh, obviously they have litigation tickler systems already, but litigation is a very time-driven, procedural-driven process that requires uh, very careful following uh, specific guidelines, time deadlines. And as you mentioned, I think it would be a a great way to exchange documents, a great way to be transparent, and a really good way to show a chain of title, a chain of custody. So I'm I'm convinced that that we're definitely going to see it in the litigation space. And this goes back to our original definition of the blockchain. A big component is secure asset transfer and verification. For example, to a French winemaker, the ability to verify the authenticity of his product and protect it from copycats is invaluable. And that use case can be applied across a wide range of industries. Pharmaceuticals are talking about this. Walmart has started doing a, uh, they had a press story about the fact that uh, it's difficult for anyone selling vegetables after that terrible scare with the, uh, I think it was the Ebola virus and uh, spinach, that they decided that they needed to be able to track the source of all their vegetables. So it's, it's exciting that actually the businesses are picking up more quickly all the different ways that having this technology can help them. And lawyers are, it's in our nature, we serve our clients. And so the main reason that I can tell you K&L Gates decided to get involved is because they knew their clients wanted it, that the expectation of the clients was that you're our lawyers, you're a high-tech global firm, you should know about this. And uh, and they're right. And I have to tell you, uh, once we made this decision to uh, – to uh, establish our own internal private permission blockchain, we uh, we have uh, we received a calls from a number of clients who are very excited about it. For one thing, some of them, you know, want to try it out too. There, it's still very early days and very early stages, and there's a lot of people who don't quite understand blockchain. And I can't even say that I'm a you know the world's biggest expert on it. I've dealt with it more than a lot of other lawyers that I know, but you know, I'm not an engineer. I haven't taken coding classes, so it's still a new world out there. And I suspect that there's a lot of use cases we haven't even contemplated yet. K&L Gates is one of the first firms to respond to their clients' demands that they understand and explore the adoption of blockchain tools in their practice. Led by Judy, they are using outside experts to work with their team to accomplish exactly this. I'm so excited about this. We spent some time trying to figure out how do we get involved in the blockchain? And there are lots of other alternatives. There are some big consortiums. They're, you know, charging fairly large fees to uh, law firms to get together. And the more we thought about it, uh, we realized we really wanted something a little more hands-on and direct. We didn't want to go sit in a conference room and have other people talk to us about it. We had worked closely with this uh, uh, small uh, blockchain 
company, Chainvine. And it was clear that, you know, instead of taking the route where you join some of these consortiums, we wanted to get some much more, what I say, hands-on knowledge. So we've set this up as a three-stage program. And the first is to have a sandbox, that's uh, what we call it. It's a, it's using Chainvine's platform. Our lawyers around the world are going to have access to it. And they're going to be able to do a couple of, you know, smaller basic things. We're, go- we're talking about moving contracts between two parties and having the contract validated and then having it hashtagged into the blockchain. We're talking about setting up a contract that has those automated triggers, that has triggers for automated emails. We're keeping it very simple where it's time to release an escrow. It's a classic thing that happens in the legal practice. And a lot of times the escrow isn't released for six months or a year after the contract is signed. And sometimes it's only released if if there are no claims. And so it involves some time and some legal focus to even have the escrow release. So we are building up a use case where we two weeks notice of the of the um, uh, escrow being released, how many people have to approve it, how do we contact you know, automated emails to the clients, to the lawyers, to the other lawyers if there are multiple parties. So those kinds of things that are built into the contract that are, we're still talking very simple, just email notifications, but it will give our lawyers. Then we're building some other use cases and adding more. Once we actually spend some time working with it, then we're going to get the feedback to go into what we're going to have a more detailed use cases. And then part three is establishing our own private permission blockchain that we're going to build our um use cases on. So any of the work that we've done in the sandbox, we will transfer to our uh, own private permission blockchain, and we'll be able to start working with it with clients. Now, it may not be production level. This is still, we're taking small steps. But what we find out is that our clients, especially within the their, their general counsel's offices, the lawyers, you know, they know that their their IT and tech people are out there in front of them, but they want to understand it from a legal perspective. So we are already uh, talking with some clients about um, sharing the the demo, sharing the um, the next steps. We're also talking about the concept of doing some coding classes. We are lucky to have uh, coders. That's probably uh, thanks to our history. We're very lucky. To to have coders, especially in our Seattle office, they focus mostly on in our EDAT program where they do for litigation management. Uh, you've got to search, you know, thousands of pages of documents for certain names or certain data there. They set up, you know, scanning programs and things to do that. KNL Gates has a team of coders at the ready to take on initiatives like these. Several firms have in-house coders and data scientists who work in the knowledge management space, but pursuing blockchain initiatives may produce specific challenges that will require people who have a deep understanding of law practice and software engineering. Now that we're getting into the blockchain, those people in that coding office are obviously very interested in what we're doing, but we've also found that we have a couple lawyers on staff who had previous lives as software engineers, and as developers. Uh, And that's also great to know. And I do think that the ability to code, 
uh, on top of what other job or career you may have is always going to be really helpful when you start talking about smart contracts and when you start talking about major contracts with multiple triggers in them, whether it's releasing funds or notifying people, that to the extent that those triggers are coded uh, into the contract through various mechanisms, that you're going to need to have someone from each law firm looking at the code and going, yeah, yes, that does instruct the bank to release the funds on 60 days after the contract signed. So there's a, and you'd, you'd want both sides to agree that that's what the coding says. The other option, of course, maybe you put together uh, like they used to have in the old days, you know, software escrow companies. You need a trusted third party who can be retained by both sides in a contract negotiation to basically look at the, the code and go, yes, guys, this is what it says. So, you know, there are different opportunities, but that is one of those open issues that hasn't been finally resolved yet. You know, I'm glad we have a a number of lawyers who are actually, you know, uh, experienced in coding on staff. And I do think that there are going to be more law firms wanting to do that, even if it's only just to confirm that, yes, this smart contract code says what, you know, it's uh, they said it said. Lawyers should keep an eye on this space and think about ways to positively affect this market. And the reality is that they need to do it quickly because the rules are being written whether lawyers in your practice area are a part of that conversation or not. Even just a year ago, you would talk to, you know, very sophisticated lawyers who just you know, didn't get it and was like, why are we doing anything? Why are you talking about blockchain? Why do the clients care? This is just, you know, used by criminals. It's just the dark web. And I do think that the word is getting out over and over again that this is not just cryptocurrency. So I had to do a presentation to my partners and it was like the first thing I said was, we're not, we're talking blockchain. It's not just cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies are important. And I think that that message is getting through. You know, I can tell from my perspective just here at KNL Gates that it is getting through. The number of lawyers who have responded to our emails about our blockchain initiative is really satisfying. Uh, and we have just so much enthusiasm for it. So to me, that's one of the biggest trends. Second, I I love the fact that people are now, I think, recognizing that lawyers do have a role to play. Uh, I, I actually had the opportunity to attend a, a forum that MIT uh, holds. It held a forum for engineers, business people, and lawyers. And it was the engineers who got up in the beginning of, it was a full day, and and they got up in, on the uh, on the stage and said, you know, there was a time we didn't think lawyers were going to be all that important in the future of our of the blockchain world. And now we realize that they are really integral because, and they use the example of the, the Dow disaster where the, it wasn't really hacked. It was just the poorly written Dow rules that allowed one person to get in there and, and obtain, um, uh, tokens belonging to a lot of other people. And so they have 
they said, you know, we recognize that lawyers are an integral part of this. You need lawyers for legislation. You need lawyers for writing the rules. You need lawyers for, you know, in uh, safely incorporating this into, you know, higher risk industries. And it was like, I remember going home and going, yay, the blockchain needs lawyers. And I think it's true. And I think finally people are are understanding that. And, you know, good communications, good, there are great articles, great books out there. So we're, I'm just excited that people are now really talking about it and are recognizing that, you know, the future of blockchain is going to require a broad consensus within law, within law firms and between law firms. Blockchain needs lawyers. Like with the rise of AI technology, we hear that blockchain technology will take jobs away from lawyers. If it is fully realized, instead, it could empower them to use the most cutting-edge tools and tailor them to their practice areas, providing better service to their clients. Thanks for listening to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. We always love hearing from you. As you know, we're just starting out and highly value your feedback. Reach out to me at Anand at Casetext.com, tweet at us with the hashtag Modern Lawyer, and check us out at ModernLawyerPodcast.com. We hope you join us for our next episode. Special thanks to the Casetext team, especially our producer extraordinaire, Abby Hadidian. See you soon.